Welcome to Hydroxychloroquines, the podcast on living with lupus. Here are your hosts, Ayana Duki and Chanel Gabriel. Episode one. Episode one. Yes. Wow. Of Hydroxychloroquines. I am your host, Ayana Duki. And I'm your host, Chanel Gabriel. So this episode, I think we should start from the beginning. I was born okay, on a not Wednesday. That, not that, not that beginning. My father was outside. Okay. Why no, was no. he outside though? <laughs> I, I, I don't know for a fact, but I know that when I asked him what time of day I was born, he definitely told me night and my mother told me morning. So I'm going to go with your mom. I feel like my mom might know. When I said the beginning, I mean the beginning of our lupus journey. When did, when were you diagnosed? Fall 2004. Um, the summer 2004, actually. Okay. So you were, you, I think you said something to me one day about being in college, having lupus. Yep. I was definitely in college. I had symptoms for about a year. Okay. Before being diagnosed. So what were your symptoms? So my symptoms, I feel like I only remember them in trickles because I just remember like things that happened around them. So my first major symptom was I would get these really bad headaches that would wake me up out of my sleep. Like I'd be sleep, like good, like out. And then all of a sudden it would just feel like pounding. And uh, I remember like crying myself to sleep. Like it was so painful. And then it wouldn't do it for a couple of days and then it would do it again. And then I noticed that my um, my right arm, like it was really hard to get out of bed. Like I remember like really saying, get up. And it wasn't that sleep paralysis thing. It was literally like, I was like, my body just feels stiff. And I'd have to like wait there for a little while, then force myself to get out of bed. Then my roommate could not. Um, I ended up needing her to help me put my bag on my shoulder because my wrist hurt. And this was all in college. This is all in college, oh. sophomore year. Jeez. I just, you know. So with that, it was okay. My fingers always kind of turned colors in the cold. So I didn't, I just used to be like, look, I'm an alien, huh? And, and chase people around the cafeteria. And um, didn't think anything of it. Couldn't donate for uh, the blood drive. I was eating all of the steaks and it still wasn't, I still was anemic. So... I was like, dang it, period. Um, so you were just making excuses for everything that, it's so weird we do that. Literally was like, oh, it's probably this. Oh, it's, I'm in a dance, I was in a dance troupe at the time. Oh, maybe I worked too hard at a dance class. Oh, wait, I haven't really danced in like four days, but maybe it's residual. Like I made like a billion excuses as to why it was what it was. And then um, I finally got home from camp, from school in May and I was just like maybe I'm just tired and everyone knew me for being like borderline narcoleptic like I sleep I can sleep on a train one stop like I can power nap like nobody's business like if I could get paid to be power nap I would be rich because that's the thing that I can do but I didn't realize that had to do with anything yep. and I was combing my hair one day ready to go out and I felt something weird so I got like a little hand mirror and it was patches just gone. Ah, so now I'd went to like my on-campus doctor, and she tried her best. You know, she's trying her best. She's used to she's used to just dealing with syphilis and chlamydia. Like she's <laughs> mono, <laughs> mono. Yeah. she's like this is not you know STD. I mean, I did not sign up for this. Maybe is <laughs> something wrong with your cooch? <laughs> something what up here? It's up here. What do you do with that? Um, but she was just like, oh, maybe it's a, a, she said, it's a sinus infection. Here's some Sudafed, like the headaches and the, so I just took the Sudafed and kept it moving and thought maybe it was just me. Maybe I just need to rest. And uh, so when I saw the patches, 
I made the appointment because I was like, what's wrong with my hair? What's wrong with my hair? Losing your hair will make you stop everything. Literally. Like, you don't touch my hair. I was like, oh, my gosh, how do I swoop this? My swoop ain't going to swoop if if all hair gone. My swoop is this side. I like, you know, you like the one side. I'm like, no, I can't. How do I cover that side? And so uh, the doc. That's when um, I went to the doctor. And even when I presented it, the thing that sucks about lupus is all of these symptoms don't seem like they relate to each At other. All. Yep. So um, I'll stop there. Like, what were your symptoms initially? So first of all, I am. I feel blessed because I wasn't diagnosed until three days after my thirty first birthday, and that was twenty twelve, and. A year, I guess a a year plus, I had been having problems in my hands. And I was an engineer at that time, so I worked at a computer all day long. So I figured figured I had carpal tunnel, Mm -hmm. right? And I was just like, oh, I got carpal tunnel. I knew I was going to, this is when I lived in Baltimore. I knew I was moving, planning on moving to New York and quit my engineering job and being a comedian. So I was like, all right, well, while I have health insurance, I need to go ahead and get this carpal tunnel knocked out. So I can go on about my life because in my mind, I'm not thinking, oh, I'm about to have a disease that controls the re- my rest of my life. Uh, I That was not that was in my thought. I was like, girl, you just type it too much. Look at you on your phone. Right. That See, was that your was excuse. It. There's your rationalization yeah. of because no one. I don't think anybody. I feel like there are other diseases where people wake up and they automatically think like, oh, my God, I have cancer. or I have. I don't know. I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my mind, like. Lupus is not something that anybody's going to self-diagnose themselves with. Because there's so many different symptoms that you can have yeah. that will just mess. Like your symptom. It's pretty much, and this is from what I know, there's 12 symptoms and you can have any, like 12 standards. and You can have any combination of that. That's just like a crazy like little Rubik's Cube. You can't like, oh, where's the blue? Like you don't even know what combination yep. you have. And that, and that was the thing with um, my hands hurt. Eventually, I went to a hand. My general practitioner sent me to a hand foot specialist who initially was like, well, I can give you a cortisone shot in your wrist. And I was like, yeah, I'm not about that life. Um, So he gave me a topical cream that didn't work, was doing a hand brace. Finally got to a point where I was like, yeah, just give me the cortisone shot. And I remember going in for the cortisone shot and it wasn't him that gave it to me. It was this really, really nice uh, black um, nurse, not I don't know if she was a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant, whatever. But they freeze your wrist first before they give you the cortisone shot so that you don't. So they spray it with like this really cold thing and it freezes up so that you don't actually feel the shot. And she told me she knew how nervous I was about getting a big old needle in my wrist. So she was like, let me know when it's frozen. Eventually she stopped. She was like, "Okay, you apparently you're not good because I was like, you better. I don't want to feel anything. Oh, I was At like, all. I was like, they've never frozen my shots. They were just like, here, take this damn needle. Oh, that's so nice of her. That was so nice of her. I don't know if it was because she was black. She was like, mm, I feel just like, freeze your hand. Yeah, I feel like she was just like, oh, I'm gonna help her out. So she, I got the cortisone shot, went on about my life, and then one day I wake up, and I live by myself at that time, and I woke up and my hands were like crabs. Mm-hmm. and I literally had to like open my bedroom door like doing that doing mm. like like this and i got in a shower hot water hit me they relaxed i went about my life just thought it was just some freak accident yeah just i mean like who you ate too much shellfish <laughs> the night before like, under the sea. hey this is you know the next morning it happened again and my dad has gout it runs in it runs on my dad's side of the family so i just assumed i was like oh no i hope i don't got gout 
I hope I don't got gout because mm-hmm. I see them dealing with gout. I'm like, and it, which is another autoimmune disease, but I'm like, ooh, I hope I don't got gout. And I called my dad and he's like, you need to go to the doctor. And old Caribbean men telling you you need to go to the doctor means you need to go to the doctor because they do not believe in the doctors. Mm-mm. And I went to the doctor. Um, all this time, I'm tired too, right? But I got three jobs at this point. I am a Weight Watchers leader. I have my engineering job and I'm doing comedy. That's a lot of work. So I, you justify it. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like, I got all these jobs. So I'm just, yeah, of course I'm tired. I should be tired. Yeah. They go and do blood work. He gives me a steroid pack, the one where you take like six pills one day and then five the next and then four the next. And I was actually planning on going to Jamaica at that time. So I went to Jamaica. I was in bed every night at like eight o'clock. Right. And I was like, again, mm. I'm on vacation. I'm supposed to relax and rest. Um, and... While I was in Jamaica, he's, my doctor sends me another email and he tells me that your blood work is inconclusive. We need to run more tests. My sister is in nursing school at this point. One of my girls, one of my sororers, our sororers, um, <laughs> she is a nurse and she, I send them all my blood work and they're just like, this looks like an autoimmune disease. Never heard the term autoimmune disease in my life at mm-hmm. that point. Knew mm-hmm. nothing about it. A few days later, my doctor sends me an email. An email telling me you have lupus so sorry call this rheumatologist so that's i got an email yeah that's uh very different i mean all right so with my doctor when i came to him i only showed him the hair oh well that was what was most important i was like you just (laughs) fix this there's some other things you can worry about but this this is once we fix this i said it like at the end of the appointment so once you figure out what this is then i'll tell you about the other stuff And and he was, what was crazy? God rest his soul. He was literally. Wait, is he dead? <laughs> he passed away. Oh, shoot. He, was a, he was an older guy, and he had oh. a lot of elder. He had other illnesses too. Okay. Great man, great man, Doctor Mahoney, uh, downstate. Wait a minute, that was my girl. Okay, so I know Doctor Mahoney. He passed away during COVID. Yeah, that was my aunt's doctor. So, he, but when I told him about the hair and he looked at it, I'll never forget, he just sat there with a pen and was just like baffled. He was a pulmonologist, but he also did general, pra- general practitioner um, back then. So it was my first time meeting him and I'm like, hey, fix my hair. And he's just like, <sighs> and I'm like, um, could it be something? I'm giving him, I'm giving, could it be some ringworm? I don't know. And he was just like. <laughs> I'm giving him suggestions because he looks so baffled. And I was like, Lord Jesus, I got that disease that only 1% of the world got. They're going to cut my hair off and donate my brain to science. I don't know what this is. And he's just like, no. And I was like, well, could it be? And he's like, not the way that. (sighs) He's like, we're going to run some blood work. And I was like, okay. And I'll I'll tell you about the other stuff. But he was so, I think I just didn't want to overwhelm him. He seemed really stressed about the hair part, like the little patches. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't want to tell him about the rest. Let me, I'll hold that down um, until the next time. And so I went back to work and they were like, you know, so how did the doctor's appointment go? Because I told my, Mm -hmm. my, uh, my coworkers about it. I used to work at this record store downtown. And they were like, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to go back. I have a follow up in a week. So I go back. Time out at this point. Were you like regularly going to the doctor or were you like, I go to the doctor if something is 
really wrong a checkup that was all okay. like i was like my, my my mom that raised me she was a nurse okay. so she like my sister bust her head open my she stitched her my sister's oh. head in the house like that's deep she yeah we didn't go we and then you know being caribbean trinidadian we we had bushes for that so <laughs> yeah. we got fever grass in the fridge right now that's literally what i took <laughs> when i had covid that's so <laughs> my dad run it over for me <laughs> my in-law sent it from florida see yes. there you go we're gonna have a whole episode about that and these people just sending us little <laughs> stuff that they found in somebody's backyard in some island. But um, but yeah, when I finally came back to him, he was excited because mm. it felt like he was like, I figured it out. Oh. And I was just like, okay. I don't want to be figured out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, all right, go ahead, shoot. Yeah, what you got, Doc? And he was like, well, let me ask you some questions. Are you, how do you feel in the morning? And I'm like, oh, you know, he's like, like, are you achy in the morning? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, okay. Hmm. Are you anemic? I said, well, I don't really know how I would know that. And he was like, I was like, I was like, but I couldn't donate blood. He was like, yeah, you're anemic. Okay. I saw it in the chart. I just wanted to see if you knew. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like this big reveal. Like it felt like a gender reveal. Like we were just shaking up a box and he was just like, and what do your fingers do in the cold? And I was like, He's like, do they turn colors? And I was like, yeah. I mean, but that's always happening. He's like, okay, good. And he just kind of kept going, like this rolling feels, up. I feel like I'm playing like, what is it? Like a, <laughs> a magic crystal ball. It's like, are you about to tell me about my dead relative? Or Literally. At this, but that's really what it felt like. He was just like, he revealed one. And he's like, yes, I knew I was right. Like he was very excited about this. And uh, finally, you know, he said, no, those, he says, those are all symptoms for one chronic illness that I think you have. He says you have a positive ANA. He says yeah, yeah, your blood cell count is like all over the place. Mm-hmm. He's like, I think you have something called lupus. Mm. But I'm going to go next door. And this is the blessing that I realized that that happened. So I had a rheumatologist right next door in the same office. And uh, and he he just calls her over. She looks at everything. She talks to me. She looks at my head. Oh, they're so puffy. Oh, oh dear. Oh, you have lupus. I, I just, I, I can, oh, you poor thing. Oh. Gabrielle and she still calls me Gabrielle to this day <laughs> like my, my last name she was like Gabrielle so I was like okay and that was how I got diagnosed and then I went to work I was like everybody have lupus and they're like have you heard of it before and I was like Mercedes from Next Top Model did she? Oh yes she, God, did. she did she was the first person that I ever met or, or, well I didn't meet her I ever heard of having lupus that was the only time I. that's the only context I had for it and then I heard later I was like oh Jay Dillon that's what he died from Jay Dillon died from lupus? yes wow. kidney failure he had lupus nephritis and was not taking care of himself he was trying to pretend he's like I'm I'm just living my life oh he was just trying to like just push it out I don't pray it away I don't oh, know no. just, but um and it's some, that's another response that some people have but that was that was how I got diagnosed and um, then I went to the Encyclopedia Britannica to see if I could do some research. Yes, I'm dating myself, y'all. Do not judge me. Well, I'm older than you. I already decided that when you told me you in college at that year. See, you were a sophomore. My math brain was like, click, 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 click. Like, you better oh. than me. I was like, we same age, girl. What you talking about? We cute. Um, <laughs> black don't crack. That's Thank true. you. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, I went to the Britannica and it said prognosis for lupus, death. Oh, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> All right, that was from 1973. Maybe it's different now. I feel like we've made progress. Yes. <laughs> and then um, I told my coworker um, when I got to work, and she was like, "Oh my god, my aunt died from that." And I was like, 
Jesus. Okay, maybe maybe they, she, she couldn't hold that. I mean, she couldn't just hold that. In you for know how many people have done that to me? Yeah, <laughs> just I feel like I feel like there's a time and place for everything, and that was not the time or the place. It was like, oh, okay. Thank you for sharing. My Ooh. condolences. How long ago? See, I need follow up question. But like, how long ago did she die? Was it like twenty years ago? Or was it like last week? Like, I need I, to. I, you know, and but that was, you know, but I mean, I do know that like a lot of people and I've done so much lupus advocacy mm-hmm. and meeting so many people that live with lupus. It's so interesting that so many they say that it's six years for most people. The average person takes six years for a lupus diagnosis. Oh, I thought you were about to say death. I was like, wait a minute. Oh, we, God. No, no, no <laughs> prognosis. I'm like, I was we, like, I didn't read that statistic. We beat the odds. Yeah, I was like, how are we like this is this is more than just a podcast. <laughs> we're miracle workers. <laughs> Six years, you know, and that's the thing I genuinely, I tell people all the time that I'm so lucky because once it got to the, once we got past, I did spend some time in the hand foot specialist with him. He diagnosed me with tendonitis at one point. So maybe I did have tendonitis too. I don't know. Maybe you did not. Or maybe I did not. had lupus. And he was just, but I didn't have to go around to a bunch of doctors and get a bunch of evaluations as I've heard some people tell me that it was just a whole nightmare process because mm-hmm. once he diagnosed me he sent me to my first rheumatologist who I was not pleased with um she was probably I felt like she was my age and that's not why I wasn't pleased with her um at that point when I got diagnosed I was vegan I'd lost 65 pounds at Weight Watchers that's how I ended up working with them I am exercising every day. When I say exercise, I'm talking about like B90X, Insanity. I'm doing all the Beachbody's oh, catalog. I ran Tough Mudder. I did a half marathon. Okay. Like, I was like doing it. So, and I was just so, my ex at that, well, boyfriend at that time, he was also very much into fitness and health. So that was our thing. We cooked, I cooked Everything we ate, we went I out. Cook, to I like the clarify. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I cooked. I cooked. He wasn't cooking anything. Um, he was just bumping them gums when the food was ready. Mm-hmm. So we were like, we were so strict when it came to our food. So, so, so strict. Like mm-hmm. we would only go out to eat once a week. And it was this one, at that time, veganism was not as popular as it is now. So there was this one vegan restaurant um, 45 minutes from where we lived in Maryland. We mm-hmm. would go there on Sunday. Um, and then even then when I was there, cause I lost all the weight with the Weight Watchers, I still was tracking all my points. I was like so conscious. So it was, it hit me hard because I'm here taking such great care mm. of myself. And you tell me I have a chronic disease that four months out before I quit my engineering job with health insurance to move to New York and pursue a career with no health insurance. Mm. It was, there was a lot, a lot of anger mm-hmm. that I had. I was gonna say, how did your how did your family or people, loved ones, react to you having lupus? I feel like y'all are gonna know so much about me on this podcast, which is probably the point. Yeah. Um. So I'm not very close with my parents. Um. So I wouldn't be surprised. I don't remember ever telling my mom. I, you know what? I did tell my mom mm-hmm. that, and the reason being is I was asking, does this run in the family? Because when I started doing research on lupus, um, it seemed like something that past generation to generation or autoimmune diseases run in your family and Mm -hmm. as far as I knew the only thing that we had going on was gout Mm -hmm. that was it that was the only chronic illness I didn't grow up with people being sick or taking medication Mm -hmm. or having any kind of 
chronic anything. So mm-hmm. for me to have a chronic illness, it was like, I, I don't understand what you're saying about me having to take medicine every day now. Um, so I asked her more in a sense of, is this something that runs in our family? And she was like, no. Um, when I ended up in the hospital uh, before all of that, when I, when I moved to New York, ended up in Kings County mm-hmm. in the hospital, um, my dad showed up. My mom and my dad rode from Maryland and Virginia. They are divorced and they had to ride from my dad lives in Virginia. They cared about you. They cared about you. <laughs> At that moment. So my dad lives in Virginia. He went and picked up my mom in Maryland and two of them showed up. And I was like, well, let's see how long this is going to last. <laughs> this, I, I don't, this union of, of yeah. for, for the cause. Yeah. My aunt was there too. The one I was just talking about. She mm-hmm. was there too. So I was like, well, at least we got a referee. Um, <laughs> because I'm in this bed and I can't really do nothing. But I know at some point. Something about to pop off. And um, my parents are Caribbean. And I feel like if you're Caribbean, you understand. Just I don't even have to go. They were not empathetic, sympathetic. They weren't pe- people that was just like, oh, my gosh, my daughter has. Lo-. I'm also 31 at this point. Um, not that there's an age where you stop caring. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point, they're like, well, you quit your engineering job and you moved to New York and this is your life now kind of thing. Oh. Yeah, it was real callous at and one your point. Reality. Yeah, at one point, my dad told me, "I think you're 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 making yourself sick." Oh wow! Yeah, you didn't think that's where the story was going. That's what no, I was like, no, no, no. Yeah, he told me. My like, mother said that too. Are you serious? Yeah. Shut up! I she told was you, like, if you're, you're just correct- tired. You don't sleep. That's why I lay down, and that's literally how. And then my sister came in, and, and this is when the f- the first time I feel like a lot of my family accepted it was when I was hospitalized. Because prior to that, it was just like I had this and then I went to the doctor and he said, you got this, take these pills. And they were like, why are you taking these pills? Are you even sure? And then I went and got a second opinion and she, I probably might have wanted to keep her as a person, but she, I don't think she took my insurance, but she was nice enough to still see me. And uh, yeah, she confirmed it and they still kind of all were like, but you look the same, mm. you act the same. You know, I was very busy in college. Like I was in every organization running things. So it was just like, you're just tired. You're probably just working too hard. You just need to relax. And so... <laughs> is lupus synonymous for fatigue? Yeah. Like lupus just means you need to sit down. And um, for me, I ended up, I had an internship that, that um, winter and I developed pericarditis, inflammation of the membrane around the heart. Feels like a heart attack. It okay. does. That's and, how I ended up in the hospital. Oh, you too. So, mm-hmm. so yes, yeah, so I was there for that. So when I got home, I was like, I have to go to the ER. And so I was like, you just need to sleep and and pushes me to lay down. And I lay down and I yell in pain. And then my sister comes in and was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, Ma, she said, Chanel, just put some clothes on. We're going to the doctor. And I think, you know, it's just the not, it's like, it's funny that we think only of like ourselves, but our family is like going through. It's like my brain never thought that my family would be going through something understanding that their child has something right? yeah and i think that, that that i look at that and i'm just like she was in denial like none of her children have ever been sick we yeah. have never been sick my my sister has asthma that's like about it but i feel like every well my sister has asthma too i feel like asthma is like the caribbean <laughs> well asthma is like the black thing like let's be real like you know depending on where you live yeah you know that's that's the that's the disease that affects the hood you know yeah. like anybody did you know it's from roach 
feces? Well, there's multi, there's a bunch of different oh, asbestos. Man. There's there's all these different oh things. My goodness. There's pollution. That's the part of why we talk about climate change. This is not what the podcast is about, but it is climate but I, change. <laughs> but that's but technically it is yeah. because they say that lupus also manifests itself. You can have lupus genetically, like it can be a part in in you and never be activated, right? Yeah. But what what triggers it is that is environmental, mm-hmm. you know, factors or a uh, something tra- trauma. Impact, trauma to the yeah. body mm-hmm. or something of that nature. So I guess technically, you know, all yeah. roach feces can count. Well, I, I think too, what, did, what was the analogy I heard that it's like the gun is loaded, but there has to be some kind of lifestyle or trauma that pulls the, the trigger. Um, yeah. Like one thing that I've been, and I don't know if it's helpful for me to research is it said that kids that have lived in an abusive household are more, likely to develop an autoimmune um because of the trauma there's like all this study going on um and i started reading and i not the tiktok is a reputable <laughs> reputable source i mean tiktok be having the truth <laughs> now his hotel and everybody I listen, <laughs> but i saw this therapist talking about it on tiktok and it caused me to and i lived i grew up in a very traumatic like household with a lot of domestic violence and mm-hmm. police and just Really bad. So I, my sister also now has an autoimmune disease as well. My older sister, she has ulcerous colitis. Colitis. Yeah. And, um, you know, she called me there. She's like, oh, we're taking the same drugs. I'm also an Emirat. And I was like, uh, this is not where I want to bond with you. Connection. I mean, yeah. I was like, we you can, yeah. <laughs> color purple reference. <laughs> <laughs> this is this. Yeah. <laughs> You know, you told Harp. Okay, that was uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's, I, you know, and I wonder about that because, again, I was, I'm sure a lot of people who are probably watching this or who have lupus, they're just angry. Here's, here's something that happened to me once. I was, like I said, I used to run lupus, I mean, um, Weight Watchers meetings. And I had one, one member tell me that she's having a very hard time losing weight because she has, she has lupus and, She's talking to me like I don't have lupus. And I said, I was just like, I, I also have lupus. And I wasn't saying it to be like, I have lupus. And clearly, look how skinny I am. I want to be like me. <laughs> yeah, get up off those. <laughs> yeah, them ham hawks, girl, get your moving. Um, <laughs> but I was just like, I was saying it more to empathize. Like, no, I understand waking up and feeling like pure trash. And she looked at me. And like you said, it's I don't present sick. And she's just like, well, your lupus ain't that bad. Look at you and look at me. And in my mind, I was like, oh, I have so many directions to go with this. But I'm not. I'm not. Because this woman is hurting right now. Mm-hmm. She's hurting. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to attack me. She she's, is angry about the whole situation. And I'm with it. I understand. She's like, why my lupus ain't look like yours? That's what that was. <laughs> you ain't got what I got. No, her, her thought was... F you. What the hell you did to get the good lupus? Yeah, you got lupus A+. Plus. I got like lupus F. Like, that's not fair. How you got the good lupus? My lupus bad. It be acting up. I put it in the corner. It just keep acting foolish. But no, but it, it, I think that it's so interesting to see how many overlaps happen yeah. when with people living with lupus. And I think that that's something that, you know... It it kind of connects us, even though it can be so different. Because I, I I you know I dream of the day like I go into places and they're like and care div- caretakers for people. I'm like caretakers. <laughs> yeah, you talk about. I, I don't. I think there was only one time that night for paradise was the first and last time someone drove me to the ER. <laughs> I drive myself all the time. You know, like 
So, you know, it's just interesting to have to like go through this on your own. If you got a caretaker, listen, you better you better hold on to their hand, okay? Just and, and hug them because it, you know, I do wonder what it'd be like to have some, you know. Christmas time. Make sure you put something in that envelope. Yeah, put something <laughs> in that envelope. <laughs> Get a gift card. Yes. <laughs> a spa day. I don't something. know what to give them something because that means a lot. But yeah, we got a lot of overlap. Yeah, we do. This is going to be interesting. One piece of advice. I, we have, I know we have to wrap up. One piece of advice for somebody being diagnosed with lupus that might have just got diagnosed. Okay. So we're going to end with that. Let's see. One piece of advice. Do you have yours in mind already? I'm like, you put yes. me on the spot. Okay, you go first then. Okay, my my um my piece of advice for if you just got diagnosed lupus, just know that. Dang, I lost it. I have like three thoughts. <laughs> I have three thoughts. Know that like you're gonna have to be okay. At some point in time, it's like going through the stages of grief. Like you get the denial, you get to the the anger, you get to the like bargaining. Like Lord, just if I just. Lord, if I follow you, you know, you get to the and not saying that that God doesn't work, but um, but just recognize like it's the stages of grief. But you have to come to a place of acceptance and figure out how do I do the things that I love? And maybe I loved track and field and now I can't do it. But what's something else? And it kind of helped me. That's how I ended up in poetry. That's how I ended up pursuing that, because when I was in the hospital for something else, I said the same. I, I remember sitting there. I didn't think about death. But I remember thinking, like, if I get stuck in the hospital, what have I not done? That's deep. <laughs> and so. What was your thought after that? I was like, oh, look, I'm going I'm to just do this poetry thing, <laughs> which my father was not pleased with. <laughs> but I was like, yo, you know, throw it against the wall and see what sticks. And, um, you know, at this point, it's like, OK, the only thing I, I really love, that's that's something I love doing. That's something I care about. How do I insert that into my life more? Maybe you don't want to drop everything and go and join the circus. But maybe there's something else that you love or maybe you just need to look a little bit more, a little further and see what are the other things that, that you can still do. Like, I think that that's the thing. Now you got me thinking, <clears throat> even though I'm doing comedy, but that, that was, you know, you're right with that. Once I got diagnosed, I remember crying. And my ex at the time, he was like, you know, don't worry, we're going to get through this. And I said, I'm, well, I'm not worried about getting through it. I'm worried about quitting my job and moving with no health insurance in New mm -hmm. York. And he said, you're still doing that. And I said, why wouldn't I? And that was the beginning of the end of our relationship. Mm -hmm. That's for another episode. Um, <laughs> my, I will say that my advice to anybody who's been recently diagnosed or anybody who just has lupus in general is to advocate for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um no matter where, whether it be at work, whether it be with your doctor, whether it be with your spouse, mm -hmm. whether whatever it is, advocate for yourself. Um, because especially since this is an invisible disease, um, people are very quick to dismiss it, especially if you don't present sick. They're quick to just act like I've had somebody tell me to give up my chair on the subway. And I was like, nah, <laughs> my knees hurt. And my hips hurt so nah. yeah so yeah just always 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 advocate for yourself and don't ever feel that you are a burden um mm -hmm. you're just asking for what it is that you need and that is your right so that's my advice that is a great way oh yeah yeah that was like so empowering yes right. please let them know you pay their bills okay <laughs> let them doctors know hello <laughs> I pay yo for your second yacht. Okay, that is true. 
let me tell you yes well before we end let's talk about where we can find where they can find us so you can find me on the instagram at a dookie that's a d o o k i e dookie is really my last name um you can find me on instagram there you can find me on tiktok you can find me on twitter even though i'm really not tweeting much but sure look me up and you can find me on facebook i'm literally the only ayana dookie in the world if you find another a dookie it's probably my sister angel and you can tell her what's up too well, you can find me on mostly Instagram, Chanel Gabriel, S-H-A-N-E-L-L-E, Gabriel like the angel. And um, you can also go to ChanelGabriel.com to learn more about all the other things that I do and see if I'm doing a show nearby. I'm, I'm, I'm now starting to feel okay. I think since I had COVID, I'm like, oh. I can get out there now. I can get out there now. Yes. I got some antibodies. <laughs> Let me take advantage of that for now. So a couple shows coming up soon. So yeah. Yes. Well, so glad to have you girls. Yes. So, this was a, a great thing. This is great. I'm having fun already. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Hydroxychloroquine. We'll see you next time, guys. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Hydroxychloroquine. Follow them on Instagram at Hydroxychloroquines with a Z. And remember, it's okay to not be okay. And that's okay.